Welcome everyone to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza, and I hope that everyone has had enough time to rest. It was a really, really packed weekend, a lot of emotions, uh, a lot of things to watch. Uh, without really paying attention, I, I came about like that November the 7th was one of the most packed days of wrestling we had this year and arguably the best wrestling day of the year uh, and that is because we had aw's full gear we had new japan pro wrestling's power struggle we had tokyo joshi pro wrestling's wrestle princess we had a noah show we had i believe gcw was out there probably they always are but because of that we do have a lot of talked about um this week and let, let, I'm just going to make like a small announcement because of this. Since we really had so much to talk about, I, I had to choose what to cover on this show. And arguably, AWs and New Japan shows are the biggest shows that happened the, during the weekend. But because of that, I am going to be having a mini episode the day after to, uh, this episode comes out. Um, probably Thursday because in my opinion Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Princess deserves like a full recap with all the time given to it it was in my opinion I can tell you already the best uh, show of the weekend and it had the best match of the weekend and so I do think it deserves its own its own time uh, I don't want to like just pack it in, trying to get it in between these two other shows and the and the impact. Uh, so be just just be uh, waiting, I guess, uh, for a mini episode coming out this week. I will I will deliver, believe. But let's get into the the two shows that we are going to be covering uh, today. Again, uh, AEW's Full Gear and New Japan's Pro Power Struggle. And I think we should start with Japan. That was the show that I, I started my Saturday with. As I woke up, I started watching wrestling. And it all started with the King of Pro Wrestling trophy, no corner pads match between Toriano, the champion or trophy holder, versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, this was like, I think this was the best way to start my weekend of wrestling. Because it was just like a fun match. Uh, it's a Yano match. We know those matches are not like overly dramatic and they're not they're not boring or anything. They're they're usually full of shenanigans and it it was good. I thought um I thought the whole story about Yano miscalculating his stipulation and ended up uh, like working against him. And so usually we see Yano take the pads off in matches. And so in this match, obviously, he had to put the pads back on. And, and I thought that was like a pretty like s smart touch. Uh, they actually had a couple of like actual wrestling spots uh, between Sabre and Yano uh, that were pretty decent. Uh, Yano is like not not like the best wrestler, but he does he does do like 
some moves. I mean, he used to be a legit good wrestler, so he still has it, but um, we just don't see it as much anymore. And and at the end, the only thing that I didn't like was the, was the end, which was Yano tying Saber's shoes, like the shoelaces, around the, a guardrail, and so Saber couldn't make it to the to the count. I wasn't a big fan. I it's one of those things that sometimes it makes the opponent of Yana look stupid because they like I don't know like I would imagine you can just really either tear up the the shoelace or untie it or take your shoe off some way or another and you could make it back into the ring but it's one of those that like they just go crazy and they don't make it and and like eh, I don't know like I'm not a big fan of those type of endings Unless there's like smart-ish, like like when Jano and, and Takahashi, for instance, had like their matches, you know, like that was I thought uh, way smarter than just tying someone's shoes. So I, I gave it about a, a three and a quarter, three and a half. Um, like I said, it's it was fun way to start the show, like not a lot of drama. Then we had. The never open weight championship match between Shingo Takagi, the challenger, versus Minoru Suzuki, the champion. Shingo defeated Suzuki in just a brutal, brutal match. Uh, there was a rumor going around that Suzuki got knocked out uh, towards the end of the match. And so he just, like, he was out. He was completely out. And I have to say, like, even before that spot, I started to feel that Chingo was going way hard on the 50-year-old man. And it, it's something that I I have a lot of trouble when I watch wrestling. Like I'm 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 not the one I'm not one to complain about intergender matches or even like uh size differences, but when it comes to age, legit age, I do always feel weird. And and I did think that Takagi was just going way hard on Suzuki. Um, so that did kind of bother me a little bit. But like nonetheless, this was a fantastic match. Um, obviously, it's similar to everything they do because that's what they do. Like they, they have like a really similar style. So it's just like hitting each other with uh, like crazy. But I thought it was like one of their better matches. Uh, surely better than the, the previous match. And so, like, I enjoy it. And at, at this point, it's it's the second match that I've seen in the whole day, the whole weekend. And so, like, I am just, like, super hyped at this point. I am loving this. Unfortunately, this followed. This was followed by Okada, Kazuchika Okada, defeating the great Okan, uh, along with Will Ospreay as his second. And, <clears throat> I mean, obviously... I don't know if anyone in the world actually thought that Great Okan was going to like come into New Japan and turn out to be like an ace or a fantastic wrestler. He wasn't even the best junior of his generation. Like Kitamiya and Kawato at that point were better than than Oka. And even when those guys left, like Shota and Narita were better than those guys. And so... I I think I got exactly what I expected out of Great Okan, which was a, like a two and a half, maybe three star match. So um, I wasn't like disappointed or thought that he was uh, 
that his career was a failure or that like everything just like was was dead and they should fire him like no not at all like he did his thing he is a mid-card guy uh anyone who expected anything different to really like check your 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 fucking knowledge on, on wrestling like, and fucking realize what you're watching uh the match like i said it was a six like uh a six star like uh yeah like a six out of ten <laughs> and um the thing we saw was like the generic Okada match that he's been having, which is they like they work on Okada for a while and then Okada makes a comeback and wins with the money clip. So all the things that have been bad about Okada matches we had here, which was like the money clip and being like worked over by someone we know it's not necessarily like stronger and all of that. Uh, the, the one thing that I did notice about Okan because I haven't been paying that much attention is that his punches and strikes are incredibly weak. Uh, he really, really needs to take a class with Chingo or Suzuki and just learn how to throw punches that look legit because a lot of the punches he threw, like they just look like he was like pushing Okada and not exactly like trying to hurt him. And so that is one, that is the one something that I would hope that Okan fixes like Okan because of the gimmick which I think it's incredibly stupid and because of the size and the style he really really needs to work on becoming a more like brutal brawler if he wants to like eventually get bigger matches because as a guy that's throwing punches and and doesn't really deliver a good punch, he's not going to go far. But anyway, in my opinion, this whole thing was just a setup to what came afterwards, which was Osprey made the official challenge for Wrestle Kingdom to Okada. No titles or stipulations on the line so far. It was just you and me, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, January 4th. Let's do this. And I, and I especially loved Okada's response, which was, I don't really understand much of English yet, but I understood four words, Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom, Okada, Osprey. And so he accepted. And I thought that was just like, it was perfect. You know, like um, the the match to me was like secondary because it, this was all about setting up Osprey versus Okada. And I approved. We had the announcement of the Best of the Super Juniors and Super J Cup uh, cards. The Best of the Super Junior, obviously, it's one block and it's everyone versus everyone. So there's really no point in, in covering that because we are going to eventually see all the matches. Uh, however, the first, like we got the brackets for the Super J Cup, or at least the first round matches. And... We have Clark Connors versus Chris Bay, which worries me because I want Bay to go far in the tournament, but I fear Clark is going to win this. We got TJP versus ACH, which again, it sucks because I think these two guys should make it at least to the semis. Uh, we have Blake Christian versus Ray Orus, which I don't really care about either guy. <laughs> so whoever wins, like I'm okay, I don't care. I guess Ray Orus, I do find him more exciting. I remember the Dragon Azteca times and, and they are fun memories. 
And finally, we had El Fantasma versus Leo Rush, which. So this is one that I could I mean, I could totally see El Fantasma winning and going to the finals because he wants to defend the that he's currently the, the, the cup holder. But I can also see Leo Rush getting the upset here because like I I wouldn't be surprised if New Japan is legit interested in Leo Rush um for the junior division. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Leo Rush defeats El Fantasmo and goes far into the tournament. Uh at this point I still don't know who could win. I have my money on I actually have my money on the winner of TJP versus HGH. I think that's going to be the winner of the Super J Cup uh, because I think like ACH already has a good history with New Japan and I think New Japan is really interested in TJP and so I think the winner is going to come out of that first round match but anyway back into the Power Struggle show we have the IWGP US Championship title shot match uh, well yeah briefcase title shot <laughs> Uh, between Kenta, the briefcase holder, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, I like the match, actually. I thought this was one of Kenta's better matches this whole year. Uh, it. I think a lot of people are not going to like this and are going to complain because everyone uh, started like fantasy booking Tanahashi to win so we could get Tanahashi versus Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh and also, like, for that matter, Tanahashi did, like, verbally submit to the game over. And so I think a lot of people are just going to, like, think that the match is bad because they didn't get the big Tanahashi victory. And, and like, and for that matter, he submitted, he tapped out uh, verbally. And so I think a lot of people are going to hate this. But I personally, like, I mean, I don't mind. Like, Tanahashi, like, 2020 Tanahashi is Kojima in 2010, 2011. He is the guy that is already coming down. But he is, like, going to start doing jobs for a lot of the newcomers. And just the way that Kojima did the job for Tanahashi in 2011, like, that's going to happen right now for Tanahashi and some of the other guys. Surely Kenta is not a, a young guy, up and comer, but um, he is right now like in has like bigger plans, you know, for Kenta. I think New Japan is really, really trying to to milk out Kenta as much as they can before he either retires or just goes to Noah or just like I don't know, like goes back to W Lily for for that matter. I don't know, but uh, like I thought the match was good. It was great pacing. Uh, Good storytelling. It's it's a Tanahashi match. Like never, never think that a Tanahashi match is going to be bad because you are going to be laughed off after it because they're usually pretty good. Uh, but like having said that, there wasn't anything crazy or anything like like noteworthy. It was just like straight up good wrestling. We had oh my god, we need to talk about this. We had. Kota Ibushi defending the January 4th IWGP World Championship contract versus Jay White. And I'm going to be honest. Ever since Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker for the streak, I hadn't had like a, an experience like that time until Kota Ibushi and White. I was completely speechless 
when JY defeated Ibushi for the contract, I was like, what the fuck? I didn't see this coming. Like, they're, they're surely going to reverse the, the decision. There's going to be a... Like, I was thinking, like, there has to be a rematch, but there's no time left. We are, like, days, five days away from starting the best of the Super Juniors in Tag League. And we, like, we are going to have, like, a big... I think it's Sumo Hall show at the end of the Super Juniors. But there's no King of Pro Wrestling this year. Just nothing, like, big like that. There's... That's it. And so... I was like, what the fuck? Like, are they really, really like changing things? And so I think we can already uh, say it like the next day after Power Struggle, there was a press conference and Naito offered Ibushi a shot at the titles on January 4th, which, well, the, the thing is this, like before that happened, Jay White as a total heel, wanted to break tradition and say, I am not going to defend this on January 4th. And that is the tradition. Like the 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 thing here is like the briefcase is is a world title shot at the January 4th. It wasn't Wrestle Kingdom until like recently. Uh and so he wanted to break the tradition of not having a world title match on January 4th. And so <clears throat> Naito did offer Ibushi uh, a title shot in consolation. I know a lot of people are going to use this to, to say that Ghetto is a terrible booker. I I don't mind it um, at all. It In a way... Jay White still has the upper hand on either Ibushi or Naito because those guys are going to have to go through hell on the fourth and he's going to be able to pick like, I mean, the winner is going to be destroyed and he's going to have like easy pickums uh, because he's not going to wrestle on the fourth according to himself. <laughs> he's going to take the day off. And so uh, I think there's still I think this still gives White a lot of leverage. I think it it's going to be a really big night or big weekend week, I guess, for Ibushi if he goes and wins the titles on the fourth, defends on the fifth, and whatever happens on New Year's Dash. I think it doesn't take anything away from the briefcase. It doesn't take anything away from Naito or Ibushi or anything. I I don't mind this. Uh, the argument that I heard was that, well, the briefcase doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, what does it matter to win the G1? Well, at the end of the day, like, Naito is giving this match to Ibushi not because, like, he can choose to who to give title shots to. Uh, Ibushi is still the winner of the G1 this year. That is in the books. He lost the, the briefcase, but that doesn't mean that he didn't win the G1. Uh, like, technically, Jay White is the one getting a title shot out of... Um, out of technicality. Because, like... The, the briefcase thing wasn't a thing, 
like all the time. Like back in the day, you win the G1 and 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 you're not going around defending briefcases all around. Uh, you just have the title shot. Like the G1 winner gets a title shot at Jan 4th and that is still happening. It just happens that White stole a contract, a technicality, and now he can use that to get a title shot himself. But that doesn't mean that Ibushi stops being the G1 champ, the, the winner, and that White becomes the G1 winner. So in my opinion, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and I think it makes Wrestle Kingdom far more interesting now, uh, especially like because if Ibushi wins, we now know that he's going to, against a guy that can get the win over him. And so we do have that drama that we don't want to see Jay White steal the, the titles. And so I am sold for Wrestle Kingdom at this point. Uh, I love the decision. Actually, like the more I described it, the more I liked it. <laughs> so good, good. Uh, and anyway, we ended the show. Oh, I, I guess I should mention the match was uh, really good. These guys uh, have like a really, really nice chemistry together. Uh, obviously, we we just saw like Jay White's style of stalling and then going for quick counters and all that stuff. And we had a Bushi's like kick everything that moves style. And they merged together. So it was like a, a fantastic match. I gave it about four stars or maybe like four and a half no, no, not four and a half as much of like four stars. Uh, and and it was just like, I mean, in my opinion, fantastic. The ending was fantastic. Uh, so good, good, good. And finally, we have the main event, which was Naito defending both the IWGP World Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Championships against Ebel, his buddy Ebel with his buddy Dick Togo on the side. And... Again, this was this is a match that a lot of people are gonna hate, and understandably, it was another Evil and Naito match, and those haven't been particularly like awesome, or at least at the level that people expect from main events in New Japan, and and for that matter, there was a lot of interference in this match. I'm not gonna lie, interference that in my opinion saved the match because I was incredibly bored for about 20 minutes of the match and then we started having interferences and I woke up I started to to really get invested in this match because at this point we know that Jay White lost I mean Jay White won the briefcase and we know Jay White has issues with evil and we know that hey like the main event still not set for Wrestle Kingdom maybe we could change things and so I, I really really started to think like man could they really really go with evil for Wrestle Kingdom, like it's it's pandemic. We know they're not like they're only doing like twenty thousand people for the Tokyo Dome, so we know they don't have to like do forty thousand or anything. They don't have to convince um, like foreigners to fly in, and so I started to think like, man, are they really gonna go with evil? So like the the cheating and the interference really really like I thought it added a lot to a match. Again, a lot of people are going to complain that there's interference in New Japan wrestling matches. Like, pff, I mean, whatever. But uh, the the match, like I say, it was it was pretty much nothing until Dick Togo and Juhiro uh, interfered to help Evil. And Sanada was the one who made the save. And he looked fantastic because he was wearing, like, 
uh, linen pants and a shirt, <laughs> just beautiful. And he took them out. He literally like took them out of the arena. And so that's like the first rush of interference we had. We had a little bit more with uh, Evil and Naito like going at each other. And then out comes Jay White and he teases, do I attack Evil? Do I attack Naito? And low key because we know Evil and and White have issues with each other, but we haven't really seen them attack each other or or even like physically or face to face antagonize each other. And so he came in, and this is a big match, and we have to start thinking. Jay White has the contract. Does he want to face Naito or does he want to face Evil? But he goes for Naito. And he attacks Naito and he goes to Evil then. He's like, is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted? Uh, but before he can he can really take out Naito, Ibushi comes down and saves Naito from further attacks. He kicks Evil and so... White and Ibushi leave and we are again down to just Naito and Evil and after a bit more uh, Naito just like he, he hit a super slap that I, I loved it, it just like resonated all over the, the speakers uh, he hit Valentina he hit Destina for the win and like I, like I said like I that that the, the whole interference thing really saved the match for me I was like I was around three and a half stars and I went the full four after that I really really like that and, and so like afterwards uh, we had the whole white explanation of that he's not going to be defending on the fourth and that he's going to challenge for the title on the fifth and once again Ibushi came down and chased white to the back uh, so he gave like the uh, the the chance tonight to cut his like winner's promo and close the show and so Overall, I thought it was an awesome show by New Japan. Uh, I think it was really strong, like top to bottom, with the exception of Okada, which, like I said, in my opinion, that was more of a of a means to an end. The end being the Osprey versus Okada, like post match confrontation. And so, like, I thought it was a great show. Like every match delivered. Uh, the show went by super quick. Uh, I think it was like three hours and it still went by like super quick. Uh, by the time that I was done, I was like, I was like, okay. Like I was ready to start watching AEW, even though I still had some, some hours to rest. Uh, the, the one thing that I did think was that they started the show with the comedy and then the Shingo and Suzuki match. And I thought those two matches were like the only two different matches from the whole card and so that we then went into four straight matches of pretty much the same thing especially if you consider that the last three matches were good guy versus bullet club guy and and i did think that the last four matches felt really really similar to each other i personally would have had the suzuki versus chingo match If not, for sure, after Okada versus uh, Great Okan, but maybe after the Kenta Tanahashi match, you have you, you can make the argument that that is for a legit championship and the other ones are for title shots. So 
there like if you want to even put like uh a hierarchy there is hierarchy there so that was my only like thought about it but it, it, it wasn't like bad it, it didn't really like kill anything so i i do think that this is going to be the last big show of the season because like i said after the best of the super juniors we are going to have like a big finals night but it's that's going to be the one that sets up a lot of uh, matches for wrestle kingdom and so we are likely to get just a bunch of tag matches in that show with like probably two fantastic main events but other than that i think this was going to be like the big uh fall uh show for new japan and so the other show that happened just a couple of hours after this one at least that i finished was aw's full gear 2020 again this is the last pay-per-view of the year for aew so at this point a lot of like they 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 reached like a big pinnacle in some of their feuds that they worked on the full year and since we are going into like the the holidays and all that stuff things do tend to slow down a lot and and so we had like a big some big payoffs here uh, or setups to like even bigger payoffs once we come back um, in 2021 but let's start the show uh i don't i don't think i need to remind anyone that this took place at uh jacksonville because that's where all the shows are for the whole year so it doesn't matter but we had the buy-in uh in the buy-in we had like a bunch of promos that we had seen uh but the one thing that happened here was that the serena deef the nwa world women's champion defeated allison k the challenger this was this was an okay match uh okay to good i it wasn't anything special i am not the biggest fan of allison k's wrestling i used to love her when she was in the midwest militia with havoc and the other lady sassy steffi i'm sorry if i almost forgot your name uh but i haven't really been enjoying allison k matches for a while i i she she tends to be slower especially with someone like serena uh it really really like stood up and so i I was okay with it. Like this is the buy-in at this point. I am not invested into anything. Uh, this was like the match that I was watching while, like, preparing food for myself. So I wasn't really like expecting much of it. But I thought it was uh, it was a good, okay match. Serena Deev, in my opinion, is having her best run ever. I've always been a fan of Serena, like since the Shimmer and Straight Edge Society uh, days. But I I think that she's right now currently having her best run. I think she is on the prime of her career, and I love that she right now is a the she's AEW contracted, but she's the NWA Women's Champion. You know, so beautiful. Uh, the rest was just like promos. Uh, I, I guess I should mention uh after Serena defeated Allison K, Thunder Rosa came out to challenge for a rematch uh, i thought this was perfect <laughs> like it's it's crazy that billy corgan is taking advantage of aw right now because he's booking a better woman's feud uh in aw than aw is doing with, with their own women so 
I don't know. Let Corgan maybe book <laughs> for the woman in AEW. But anyway, we had some promos. Uh, nothing really special. Uh, but on to the main show. We started with the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament Final Match between Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Uh, this was the match that they've been pretty much building all year. Ever since these two became... Uh, tag team partners and then tag team champions and then they lost the titles and there was dissension and and they started the tournament and now they finally found each other in opposite corners of the ring and Kenny Omega defeated Adam Page uh, Kenny Omega right now is doing this completely obnoxious heel character where like he's He's not even the cleaner. He's like even more obnoxious than the cleaner. Like when he was the cleaner, he was the one with brooms. But now he has women with brooms, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like ballets type of like performances. He is just incredibly obnoxious. I, I completely understand the character. Like so, <laughs> I I can I can hate him and appreciate it at the same time. Um, the match was like a total New Japan paced match. Um, it was back and forward. There was a lot of like uh, just playing on on our working limbs and everything, everything like that. It was back and forward. I I thought this was good, but not the best match of the night. Uh, a lot of people had it as the best match. Uh, not me. Obviously, I think it's it's easy to anticipate which was the match of the night for me. But uh, overall, it was a good match. Uh, fantastic opener, for sure. Mm, maybe a little longer than it should have. I thought it went a bit longer, but it's okay. It was a big match. I I understand giving it a lot of time. And that led to Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. This was supposed to be in the pre-show, but it got moved to the main show after watching the match. I think it should have stayed in the pre-show. It was a nothing match. It was just comedy. Uh, like, Orange Cassidy and, and, and Silver are fantastic at what they do. But they didn't do anything special. And it was 10 minutes. And, and in my opinion, this could have been your pre-show either way. Because... For once, it didn't have to be 10 minutes. And for a second, like, there's really nothing happening here. Uh, at the end, like, Cassidy won. And I don't think anyone in the world expected John Silver to win anyway. So, I don't know. Like, this was, this felt like unnecessary. Uh, this Then we had the AWTNT title match. Uh, Cody, the champion, defending against Darby Allen. So this one, uh, I think a lot of people are praising it, but I was I was like okay with it. Um, Cody's one of those guys that he loves being a babyface, but because of what he does, he also like involves himself in so many matches against other babyfaces, and so he has to play heel, and sometimes it does bother me in the sense that he just comes off as I don't know like I don't know like not cocky but like he thinks too much of himself 
uh, just because, like, like for instance, in this match, like he he puts over Darby, but he also talks shit about him, and then he comes in and he is a complete heel, just like cock heel. Uh, even like from the entrance, he has like a thousand people with him, like completely unnecessary, and and then like he works heel, and then at the end, even though he loses. He's like, like, what the fuck? Like, he's still like the guy that bends the knee to RB Allen to give him the title and puts a title around him and puts him over. It's like, I don't know, dude. Like, we can tell you really, really love the camera, but if you're trying to put Darby Allen over, then put him fucking over. Like, once he wins, yeah, give him the title the way uh, Samoa Joe gave Austin Aries the title. But then walk away, man. This isn't for you. Like, like, st stop trying to steal the camera from Darby Allen. And the match was, the match was okay. Uh, just it was a bunch of minutes of Cody working over Darby and Darby having like little flurries of comebacks. And at the end, like, couldn't even give Darby the clean win. He it was like a, by a roll up, and. I'm guessing they're going to work the whole Cody loss by a fluke. But if that is the case, then Cody shouldn't be like all putting Darby over at the end, you know. So I don't know. It's like mixed emotions. There's a lot of like contrary booking in this match. But if anything else, Darby won the title and I'm really happy for him. Um. And that's it. Like the the only spot that I think was worth mentioning was a top row crossroads, and that was it. It wasn't even like one of those crazy Darby Allen bump uh, spectacles. Uh, then we had the AW Women's World Title match. This was Hikaru Chida defending against Nyla Rose, who she defeated. Nyla was accompanied by Vicky Guerrero, and I thought this was complete garbage <laughs> uh yeah like i totally gave this match like a one star and a half uh i thought this was terrible i thought so there's terrible things that, that i i was really bothered one the planning of the match had like the whole thing where nyla took out cheetah's leg and worked over it that was fantastic but then we had the whole thing where nyla stops her own pin to punish Cheetah more and her pants her plans get like thwarted and so good for Sheeta. But then Sheeta does the same thing. Uh she breaks her own pin to punish Nyla more and her plans also get fucked up. And it's like you are as stupid as the as the heel. The baby face is as stupid as the heel. And that is not how a baby face should should be. Like like the plan was good, but Cheetah should have finished uh, Nyla after that second attack that she was going to hit. And that was it. But I uh, know uh, we had Vicky Guerrero interfering. And that goes into my other thing that I hated about this match is Vicky Guerrero. Um, for one, she's not a good talker. Like all her promos suck ass. Nyla is far better at the microphone that, that Guerrero is right now. So 
I don't know why they think that Nyla needs a mouthpiece. Um, and, and for that matter, Guerrero, like, it may be an age thing. I don't know. But she can't do spots. She can't take a, a bump. She failed to trip Shida. Uh, even her presence, like, she's not someone that Nyla can get uh, behind to, like, avoid uh, Shida. She's not someone that can be, like, physically, like, trying to stop Shida. Like, she is a complete, uh, not waste, like, she is taking space that, and, and that doesn't have to be there. Uh, I thought Vicky Guerrero really, really hurt this match because she was like all over the place. And I thought this could have been far better if Guerrero wasn't there. Uh, so, yeah, like I thought this match sucked bad. In, in my opinion, uh, Serena D versus Allison K should have been in the main show. And this should have been the pre the pre match because this one, I, I just hated it. Like, I, I thought the. Like, the one thing is that Nyla Rose was taking amazing bumps for Shida, but Shida wasn't exactly delivering amazing strikes. And Shida also tried to go for a bunch of power moves and, and Rose that more than, like, uh, like, I don't know, like, it looked scarier. Uh, I was, like, more scared of Nyla Rose getting injured than of, like, hey, Faith like hurting someone so no like I, I just hated this match i and it was also super long i i just hated this match <laughs> so let's get let's get out of the way uh because the next match is in my opinion the best match of the show this was the aw world tag team title match between ftr uh, champions versus the young bucks i thought this was the, i gave this four and a half stars i thought it was the best match in the u.s like straight match in the u.s that i've seen this year i i thought the stadium stampede was better but that is like a whole different thing in itself but like when it comes to just like a straight match in the ring i thought this was the best u.s uh match that i've seen this year uh i mean what is there to say like i i've had the i've heard like so much hype for ftr i don't I don't watch AW Weekly, and I haven't watched the Fed for many, many years, and so I I always heard that oh my god the revival FDR was so amazing. I saw them in the last pay per view, and I was like, eh, I mean they're okay. They're like they're spot monkeys in their own selves, but I thought this match they really really. Maybe this was what people were raving about because I saw an FTR that was legit working a, a limb, uh, properly cutting the ring in half, properly working on each other's like uh, as a, as team members like strengths and weaknesses, like the complementing each other. I thought this was like really really good, and in the same way, uh, the Bucks were great in the sense that they are really good at telling stories. This reminded me a lot of the Young Bucks matches before they left New Japan, where they were like working on the quote unquote shoot injury of Matt Jackson's back. And and that was the, the same story we had here. Like they 
a, a week or two prior to the match happening, we started to hear news and rumors that Matt Jackson has a legit ankle or like something around their injury. And I still don't know if it's real because the whole match revolved around working that with that area. And so it, it was just uh, like a good psychological match. It was, we had like a good babyface and peril run, uh, an amazing hot tag. And then we just went into craziness with both teams, like like FTR did some spots from the Steiners and the Bulldogs. And then the Bucks did spots from the Rock and Roll Express and the Hardy Boys. And everything failed. And at the same time, like we just started seeing uh, FDR try crazier things and, and the Bucks uh, try to like do, I guess, more like smart things. And so it was just like a, a fantastic clash of styles. This is what I think uh, the Bucks and FDR promised to have long, long time ago. And I think they paid off. It, it weirdly didn't feel like a dream match at this point because we've seen them together like for months but they surely delivered i thought this was the best match of the night well not the night of the show and after the match we saw like kenny omega come to celebrate with the bucks who who had just won the titles and in the shadows of the entrance ramp we saw adam page who wants friends but it's not like brave enough to do it yet i mean poor little guy this led to the elite deletion match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Uh, Hardy defeated Guevara at the end. This was, I mean, it was good for what it was, which in my opinion, this isn't exactly a match. I, I wouldn't rate this as I rate the rest of the card because this is like a cinematic match. It's, it's, it's not your straight match. Um, but I thought that it was fun. It wasn't as good as the final edition. I don't think anything that has been cinematic since the final deletion has been as good as the final deletion. Uh, but they they did a lot of like uh, callbacks to the final deletion. You know, we saw the dilapidated boat. We saw the fireworks. We saw the Lake of Reincarnation, like all that stuff. So. It was a lot of uh, fan service. It was a lot of like meta stuff. And I think uh, that's what makes it good. But the, the, the thing here, I think, is that it's one of those matches where people are going to love it or hate it. And, and thus, I like at this point, I don't even debate this match with anyone because this touches on biases that are go like that go far deeper than a person's like or dislike of of wrestling because of the quality of the wrestling this this touches on on themes and content and styles and not exactly quality so uh i i personally thought it was good it wasn't the best cinematic thing that i've seen but it was good and that's it uh if you liked it good if you didn't good i think 
you're gonna find friends on either side so it's good for everyone then we had MJF with Wartlow fighting for his chance to join the inner circle against Chris Jericho who was seconded by Jake Hager I thought this match was good but incredibly incredibly boring <laughs> uh i'm not gonna like like given the build-up to this match given the stipulation given uh mjf and jericho like saying to each other you have to do whatever it takes to win i expected like a ton of shenanigans like heel tricks interference ref bumps and like everything and what I got was a wrestling match. It was a well wrestling match, but I, I was like bored at this point. I was like, eh, like it's just a well wrestle match because MJ is a fantastic wrestler in Jericho. Like even though he's old and fad and not particularly smart, um, can still have a good, decent match. And, and that was it. But like, uh, I found it really, really underwhelming when it came to like all the shenanigans. Uh, I really, really, really expected more. So I gave it about a three. I that was it. Uh, did like the one thing that I I left this match thinking about is that I fucking hate people singing Jericho's song because Jericho, like kayfabe, he's a heel. Non kayfabe, he's a dumbass. And so I, I just got fucking annoyed. And then when they when AW put the the images of people singing like half of them have their masks like as chin diapers or like underneath or like completely off and so i'm like jesus fuck like people like get your shit together but then again it's it's florida for god's sake anyway let's just just go to the ending i'm, I'm getting pissed off yeah but we had the aw world title match <laughs> an i quit match between john moxley the champion and eddie kingston um so this was really chaotic and i think that was the best and the worst part of this match i i really really liked how eddie kingston wearing misawa inspired uh, attire by the way beautiful i i really like how kingston's way to approach spots wasn't like your typical indie deathmatch where it's spot 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 and they just like it's like a list and you just go through them like in this one like eddie kingston you could see in his face that he was thinking like what i'm gonna do next like oh man here's my wire but no i'm gonna go for this first or like oh man no, there's a chair i'm gonna put the chairs together but oh man i'm gonna like strike you first and like he was all over the place which it made it feel like a real fight uh it, it yeah like I, it felt like a real legit fight but in the same like bane the problem of doing that is that moxley had to spend more time in the mat selling and if we're talking like eddie kingston is delivering big bumps that's okay to sell in the mat but if we're talking thumbtacks and then alcohol that is not something that you stay in the mat selling that is something that you can legit get up and keep fighting and so I did think that while I loved Eddie's way of working the match, it meant that Moxley was selling more. 
and that kind of hurt the match, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but also, like, I mean, at this point, I, I, I do give them maybe the benefit of the doubt because, and, and to everyone who liked it more, because it had been seven plus hours that I have been watching wrestling, and this was like they they went thirty minutes after like over the normal American uh the like US standard for a pay-per-view and so I I was already tired maybe I just expected something way more chaotic and and this wasn't exactly it like chaotic in the sense that it's spot 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 and we had like a, a way more like maybe methodical like uh Eddie Kingston and and at the end we saw Eddie Kingston like legit he, he quit and and I thought it was great the way they did it. Like, I hate it. I hate when other promotions do I quit matches and it becomes like the referee constantly interviewing the wrestlers. Like, are you quit? Are you going to quit? Are you going to quit? It's like, Jesus, fuck. Like, let them rest or let them like do their match. And here, uh, aside from like maybe once or twice that there was a submission on or something and the ref just said like, do you want to quit? Like, no microphone? Like there was barely anything. They just left this guys like fight each other until Eddie Kingston like quit. And it wasn't even like a, lo a loud, I quit, I quit, like crying. No, it was just like, I quit. I give up. And, and I was like, in my opinion, the way that I, I would have done it. Like the only thing that I would change is that uh, it would have been awesome for Eddie Kingston to say, I'm sorry, mama, I quit. <laughs> because a lot of the match was built around uh, Eddie having to tell his mama that like he 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 doesn't she doesn't have a grandchildren because Eddie wants the title so overall I thought it was a good match it just it just wasn't the best and I think that's understandable after seven hours of wrestling and and having other matches uh, but overall I thought this was a good show like a lot of people are saying that it was the best AW pay-per-view it wasn't in my opinion but not even in the year, but it was like a really good show. Uh, I liked it, even though I was completely tired. I, I still really, really liked it. The match, in my opinion, flew uh, flew by. Uh, the flow of the matches was way better than the New Japan uh, show that I, I watched earlier. Because in this show, every match was pretty much different. You had comedy, you had tag teams, you had uh, brawls, you had... Uh, you know, your New Japan, you had women's matches, you had like a cinematic match, so you had like a little bit of everything, and so it it the flow of the show was way better in my opinion. And so that was AW, that was New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, both from November the seventh. Like I said, I will be releasing a special mini episode talking about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling because Wrestle Princess, spoiler alert was the best show of the weekend and had the best match of the weekend and arguably a, a match of the year contender. I have already seen people from different, uh, like different journalists say that this was a five-star match and I didn't give it five, but I was like sparkles away from, from giving it the five and, and we will talk about it. Uh, but I, I, I do want to mention that because 
if you didn't watch that show, go watch it. Go watch it before I release the episode so we can all talk about it because it was just a fantastic, fantastic show. Like Wrestle Princess from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, November the 7th. Go find it. But it is time, nonetheless, to talk about the Impact Traffic Report. Welcome, everyone, to Impact Wrestling. November the 10th, Impact Wrestling. We are four days away from Turning Point on Impact Plus. And so a lot of this week's episode was built around some matches uh, headed into Turning Point, which is like the mid point between pay-per-views. But in this case, it is the one big show before uh, the end of the year, uh, likely. And so we we do have like some big matches happening and, and we're going to go into them a little bit but uh let's go into the show the show opened with havoc and the defeating tenille dashwood and madison rain uh the whole thing here was about uh how we last week saw tenille and madison rain become a tag team headed into the knockout tag team title tournament that's going to start next week actually and so, like, this was, like, the match to, like, pretty much test each other out. And they ended up not working together that well. Uh, they, okay, well, here's the thing. They actually did work well together. But once Habuk got control of Tenille, she was quite uh, easy to just throw Madison Rain into the Wolves and... I mean, walk away and just let her take the beating. And, and so the there's not going to be a team of Tenille Dashwood and Madison Rain, uh, which I think we all saw it coming that Tenille and Jordan Grace, uh, spoiler, were going to end together. Uh, so this was just like, uh, I, I'd say filler. <laughs> I think that's the proper way to, to call it, just filler. Um, the the match was nothing special like at all. I, it was nice to see Madison Rain again in the ring. I I've always enjoyed Madison Rain as a wrestler. Um, I I do love her as a commentator, but I always love her wrestling. So it was just like a nice thing to see every now and then. And and this was it. Uh, we then went to Gia Miller interviewing the Good Brothers, who didn't really say anything other than the Impact titles. We're going to win them. Blah blah blah. And then Ethan Page walked up and slapped Anderson, and Anderson slapped him back, and that was it. So, eh. But I mean, this was just like a reminder to tell us that the main event of tonight's show is Carl Anderson versus Josh Alexander, and I guess a reminder that at Turning Point, the Good Brothers are challenging for the titles against North. So we got oh man, we went back to that stupid Bravo Who Shot Bravo storyline. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is inter interrogating Larry D and Cody Diener, and they're just like both like Larry D says he's not guilty, Cody Diener is mad because he lost to Johnny Swinger. Completely uh, irrelevant content here, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, even if you want to talk about like the whole Bravo thing, this was irrelevant to the Bravo investigation. But then we went into an actually pretty good match between the X Division champion Rohi Raju defending and defeating TJP to retain the title. Uh, 
as we talked last week, the, the stipulation in this match was that if TJP doesn't win the title, this is his last chance at challenging for the title. Uh, because he has been chasing the title for a long time, and and Rohit like said he is tired, and he went to Scott the morning. He was like, "Dude, like get him off my bag, man!" And so we we had a really really fun match. Uh, TJP was dominant for a while. They they pretty much uh, it was a back and forth like trading momentum type of match, but uh, it was really fun. Raju barely did any heel tactics. Uh, I mean he did some because he is Rohit Raju, but it was like minimum it was just like a straight up good match tjp is a submission master and rohi like has fantastic kicks and jumping knees and everything like knee related and so it was like a really really good match um the finish saw the referee get distracted uh with the title belt and and so raju low blow tjp and, and got the running knee and, and got the win um but uh, like it was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't given enough time to be like a classic, but it was given enough time to build up some tension. So it was all good. And, and per the stipulation, TJP can't challenge for the exhibition title anymore. Which, if I am fantasy booking this, or not, not fantasy booking, if I am like predicting what's gonna happen, I am expecting that either Suicide or Manic are going to win the title. They're going to unmask and reveal that it was TJP all along. Either that or TJP's gone from Impact for a while. Maybe he's going to Japan. I don't know. But uh, that, is, that is, I guess, for TJP versus Rohit matches for now. And they, they don't have a match for Turning Point. So whatever their plan is goes beyond Turning Point. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um... I think TJP is going to be the next challenger. Like now that Chris Bay uh, has moved to the main event scene and that Trey Miguel is leaving Impact because, well, we'll talk about that a little bit. I think that leaves TJP as really the only challenger or credible challenger at this point. So I think he is bound to win it. They may want to keep the title win until hard to kill, which would be the smart thing to do. Um, but we'll see how it happens. Maybe they'll do something where Manic or Suicide win a title shot, but not the title itself. So we'll, we'll see how they do it. I, I I have confidence that they will do it, especially now that they are reducing the amount of people involved in this uh, in this title feud. Anyway, we had a uh, Hernandez confronting Fall about stealing the money, like more fucking. Uh, Hernandez and Fala Bus stuff. This has been like way too long for it to be good. Uh, but the big development here is that Kira Halloween and Tasha Steele stole the money from Ba. And so, bleh. I'm so, I'm so tired of this story. Like, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, Fala Ba, a couple of months ago when he was tagging with TJP, was a legit good wrestler and he was having legit good matches and he was like chasing championships and now he is back to being just the comedy guy like stealing money from Hernandez like fuck like this is just bad and I, I'm I'm dreading like Hero Hogan and Texture Steals whatever they do is fantastic but I, I rather have them 
just focus on the tournament than do like stupid stories with Falaba. Then we had like the saddest thing that I've heard uh, today, wrestling related, I guess. Yeah. And that is that the rascals are being evicted from their treehouse. And what it really means is that the rascals uh, seem to be leaving Impact Wrestling. I I think it was it was not long ago that I was like complaining that Impact really needed to do something with the Rascals, and and now they're gone, and they never got to be tag team champions, you know, and that sucks because they are fantastic. I I don't know if this is legit leaving Impact or if it's part of the storyline. I do think it's leaving because Impact is pretty like okay with their talent coming in and out and especially like like they don't bury their talent when they leave they actually like give them big matches and so uh i don't know like this may be it for the for the rascals i really 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 hope that this means they're going to aw because after impact there's not a lot of promotions that are going to be paying big money for talent maybe ring of honor but i don't even know if they would pay the rascals that much but that leaves aw and the fed and let's be realistic these guys are small spot monkeys they are going to be great in nxt but once they go to the main roster they are going like if they if that company has failed to use Ricochet, they're going to fail to use these guys. Like, I can guarantee it. And so hopefully AW, and they can just have, like, awesome matches on, on Dark. I don't I don't give a fuck if, it, if it's on Dark. Like, that'll be fantastic. Anyway, uh, we had Chris Saban defeat uh, AC Romero. So the, the story here is that AC and Larry D of Triple XL took out Alex Shelley a couple of weeks ago. And so Saban's like out for revenge. Uh, this was like a total speed versus power match. AC like dominated a lot until Chris Saban got like a, a good comeback and a small like rush and defeated Romero. Uh, it was a nothing match, really. But it wasn't it wasn't long, so it, it didn't bother me. And and Saban looked pretty good. Um like he defeated Romero with just a bunch of kicks. So it wasn't even like that big of a deal. And after the match, Triple XL jumped Saban. And they pretty much hinted that Okay, so I from at this point I thought they were gonna build Larry D versus Chris Saban, but there is a development later on. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we are going to get more of this feud. But let's continue with the, with the show. Uh, Sammy Callahan and Chris Bay are like they meet, they met each other, and they seem to be now in cahoots against Eddie Edwards, who is fighting Chris Bay in in a little bit. Uh, but before that match, we had more stupid. Uh, Tommy Dreamer interrogation stuff. This time he was interrogating James Mitchell, who say like like Mitchell was like, dude, if I would kill someone, I wouldn't use a gun. Like I'm fucking James Mitchell, <laughs> and and 
arguably that is a good point uh, but Mitchell did say he had an idea who it was which we don't know because he didn't say it to the camera but I mean it's it's the fucking Bravo thing I don't even care about it anymore but we we had a Eddie Edwards defeating Chris Bay. This was a great match. It was really short to like really, really like do much. But what they did, it looked great. And I think if these two uh, are giving way more time, pay-per-view time, I think they could have like a total banger of a match. Uh, they, they really, really... Because Eddie, at this point in his life and career, he's not the fastest guy, but he can work with a fast guy. And and that guy is Chris Bay. Like, he is fast. He can jump around Eddie. He can make the, the match especially, like, exact, like fantastic. But, like, when as we saw with, with Eddie versus guys like Callahan or Dreamer or Ken Shamrock, uh, Eddie cannot be the speed guy anymore. But... If you add a speed guy uh, to Eddie, they can have like a really, really exciting, fun match. And so it, it was like a, a great match. Uh, Eddie won clean. He actually won because of his experience. Because he, the, the way he won is uh, Bay went for a springboard cutter. And Eddie, instead of like countering or going for a big move or anything... He just like stepped to the side and used the momentum to roll up Bay, and that was it. And that was the pin. Uh, fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, after the match, Callahan joined Chris Bay, and they started to beat up Edwards. Rich Swan came down and teased. Well, Kit Swan came down, and then Ken Shamrock came down. So it was like a three on two. They teased, uh, hitting Swan the the same way that. Callahan like took out Eddie's eye with the bat. Uh, but before that, the rascals came down for the save and they they ran the the evil guys away. And it was interesting because they are teasing the departure of the rascals, but they also like kind of inserted them into like uh, a main event thing. But that that is going to be paid off in a little bit. Um, moving on. Backstage, we had Tennille actually asking Jordan Grace to team up, like we expected all along. Uh, the the only thing here is that Grace said that she doesn't trust Tennille, but how about they have a match at Turning Point, and and so they can get like on the same page, and they are going to be wrestling Taya and Rosemary at Turning Point. It should be a, actually a really good match because Rosemary is best when she's tag teaming with Taya. Taya is best when she is Taya and she always is Taya. And I think Jordan Grace and Tennille, like Tennille is really good as a tag team and Jordan Jordan's really good as singles, but she can do good tag team. And so I think like it should be, it should bring out the best of all of them. So that match should be good. Uh, also, and so also backstage, uh, talking about Swan and the Rascals, Rich Swan approached the Rascals and he thanked them. And he was like, well, since you guys are leaving, but you still have one week left, how about we make it a big one and 
We make it Rich Swan and Trey Miguel versus Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz as the farewell match. And so, like, given that match, I think it's pretty sad that the Rascals are definitely leaving Impact. Uh, it felt the same way when Santana and Ortiz left, and it felt the same way when other, like, big names have left like that. And so I think that's it for them. Like I said, it's sad, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, we had Chia Miller interview Diana Purrazzo and Kimberly about their no DQ match against Sue Young at Turning Point. Like this was, this was okay, but it ended kind of like hokey. Because unfortunately, when we're talking about Sue Young, that means that we have to talk about like the hokey undead realm thing. And for the most part, I do like the undead, undead realm thing when it just has to deal with characters like Rosemary and Havoc and Nevaeh, you know. But when you take someone like Diana Purrazzo, who came in as a legit fighter and the virtuosa, and then you have to do like the hokey hokey pokey thing. Uh, I don't I don't like it as much. But uh I mean the only thing that happened is that while she was cutting her promo, Kimberly disappeared and then reappeared knocked out on a window. And um and the, there were some matches that said like I think you're all alone now. So I mean whatever. Uh we got oh, damn it, more dreamer and Mitchell stuff. Uh, this was like after Mitchell told Dreamer who he fought, shot Bravo, which obviously we didn't hear it. And then Havok came in to get interrogated and she wasn't answering Dreamer's questions. So more waste of my time. I am really hating this storyline now. <laughs> we had... I'm going to call this a squash. <laughs> Reno Scum defeated Falaba and Crazy Steve. So, Reno Scum worked over Crazy Steve early on. Like, he was the babyface in Pearl. Then Falaba got the hot tag. He had, like, a small run, but then Reno Scum recovered and defeated Falaba. So, like, they ran over both guys. Uh, and it was, like, super short. I... Uh, I am expecting the Good Brothers to win the tag titles at Turning Point. And if that is the case, I can totally understand why they're building Triple XL and Reno Scum as not necessarily like top contenders, but as teams that can feud with the Good Brothers meanwhile. And so it's okay that they get a win. I mean, Ba is taking a loss. <laughs> so that tells you like how, how far down he is right now. Uh, just a complete waste of time. Well, backstage we had Chris saving asking for backup against Triple XL, and the person he is asking is none other than the Cowboy James Storm, who I guess is going to be doing some more dates for Impact. I got the impression that he's that Saban said for Saturday, but I don't believe they have a match booked for Turning Point at this point. Uh, this may be more like of an ongoing thing for next week. Uh, maybe? I don't know. But for sure, it's going to be Saban and James Storm versus Triple XL at one point. And, and for those uh, that have been watching Impact for a long, long time, back in the TNA days, 
the motor city machine guns and beer money had one of the best feuds in the company's history they had a fantastic best of five series matches that they were all stipulation matches and they were just like fantastic like these teams like they work together awesomely and, and so like now it's saving and, and storm i guess tagging for a little bit so we'll, we'll see how it goes um i think this one's gonna be weird because i don't think james storm is gonna come in to like do jobs i don't think saving should do jobs but if you're trying to build triple excel uh they may have to win a couple so we'll see how, how it goes uh we have willie mack in the hallway getting like cleared by the doctor i don't know why he had to be in the hallway and not at an office but he got cleared of the hallway and moose jumped in and that was it like pfft, like uneventful they are having a, fa a, a match at a turning point so i don't care um and i guess we can go into turning point i i mean I, i'm not gonna do like a full preview because it's turning point but the cards the card is at this point moose versus willie mag eddie edwards versus daibari yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, Daivari. Brian Myers versus Swaggle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Tennille Dashwood and Jordan Grace versus Rosemary and Tyo Bakary. The North defending the titles against the Good Brothers. Sue Young defending the title against Diana Parasso in a no DQ match. And Rich Swan versus Sammy Callahan, also for the Impact World title. Um, I'd say... Half of this car looks really good. Half of this car looks completely trash. I I don't know if I'm gonna watch it to be honest. Yeah, like to be honest, if I may watch it late if I hear good things about the three title matches, but otherwise I may skip this one. And on to the main event of this week's Impact. It was Carl Anderson defeating Josh Alexander. Um, like I said, these guys are fighting for for the tag titles on turning point and last week we had gallows versus versus uh page and so now obviously we had the other two halves of the teams going at it uh i thought it was a good match Alan alexander control like early on and then anderson made an obvious comeback and they went back and forward for a bit like a couple of good near falls and the finish was that Anderson called for the gun stun, and before he could deliver it, Ethan Page rushed the ring and attacked Anderson for the DQ. Um, after the match, they got into a big brawl, and that was it. Like, um, it it was short-ish match, but it was uh, good because Anderson and, and Alexander are probably some of the best, like the most talented wrestlers in Impact. So it was just like straight up quality. Uh, overall, I thought. I thought this was a good show. I thought the Bravo stuff really, really brought like like the Bravo stuff is really, really bad. But I'm I'm I don't think it's particularly bad to bring the whole show down. So, cause like we had like we had good wrestling this week. Uh, the TJP match and the the main event were particularly good so i think we had like really decent wrestling and the storyline developments are interesting a lot of them are for turning point so they're gonna be uneventful like after 
sa uh, Saturday, but like stuff with like the like especially the stuff with the rascals. I think it's really interesting to see where it goes. Uh, so overall, I thought it was a, a good show, uh, a good week, good week for Impact, and that is gonna be it for this week's episode of WRPX. Uh, like I said, expect a mini episode uh, this week to cover Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Princess. But as we head out, I do want to remind you to go to Spotify or iTunes where you can find this podcast and give it a like, leave, leave a, a review. Five stars if you have them. Um, everything helps. And if not, just, just share and listen to the show and I am grateful for all of that uh, you can go to dwrestlingrevolution.com to read the full reviews of the shows that we covered both my opinion and other reviewers opinions on the shows uh, you can go to twitter on dwrevolution where I post a lot of stuff I repost way more stuff and when big shows are happening that is where i do like the live tweets so if you want to listen to them and finally you can go we go to wrpxpodcast.com where you can find this podcast I, I i rarely promote that page because i have the podcast everywhere but that is it for today enjoy watch tokyo joshi pro wrestling and i'll see you later Goodbye, my friends. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.